Faye. She's she's uh, all in Hallmark movies. Well, anyway, Dave Collier, he was a guy that always would do imitations like a Bullwinkle, and he was an impressionist. I went to see him, and I thought, this is going to be good, clean comedy because he's on a good, clean show. I'll tell you what, I think I walked out. That's how bad he was. I mean, he was funny if you want to look at it in, in worldly terms, but he just said right out, people think that I'm a clean artist just because I played on Full House. He was wearing a mask on Full House. He was an actor. He's a hypocrite. Pharisees would fast every Monday and Thursday, and they would walk around with long faces and unbrushed hair, unbrushed teeth. They would walk around barefoot so everybody would know that they're fasting. Jesus is saying, don't do it to be noticed by others, because the Father will see in secret, and he will reward you openly. Believers fast for basically two reasons. For direction. Ezra and Nehemiah did that. They fasted for direction. To what should we do? How should we do this? Building the walls and the temples in Jerusalem. In the New Testament, Jesus fasted for direction. Remember, he was in the garden. He's asking God for direction. Do I really have to eat, drink this cup? You know what? In Acts, we're, we, we learned that the church was fasting at Pentecost. 120 people in one room fasting. They weren't walking around in the street corners telling everybody they're fasting. They're fasting for direction. There's fasting is also for liberation. It's for deliverance. When you're oppressed and when you're hassled, people need deliverance. You know, sometimes when we enter into a deliverance meeting and demonic forces are strong and powerful, if we go back to them the next week and call them in the next week, we usually fast between that first and second week because we know that Jesus said that some demons just don't come out except by prayer and fasting. So some demons are just strong. And they, you know what, people say, well, can a Christian be possessed? Oh, I hate the word possessed to begin with. Um, can a Christian be possessed? I don't think a Christian can be possessed because they, you know he can be he can have a stronghold by an enemy a stronghold of alcohol drugs sex pornography you know you name it foul mouth he can he has a stronghold and he's not possessed he's still saved nothing's going to change that seal of God if you're truly saved and the seal of God is upon you nothing is going to stop it. Nothing's going to break through the steel of God. That's all there is to it. If you remember in Revelation, when, when the Abaddon or the abyss is opened up and all these demons come out and they have, I think, tails like scorpions and, and they're built like horses and they have uh, ugly creatures, they're told you have five months and you do not touch anyone with the seal of God. You see that? Nothing can break through. Nothing, because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're liberated. So you need delivered from, 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 from things. So fasting is part of that. Prayer and fasting are a powerful weapon in your spiritual arsenal. And a lot of Christians don't even use fasting. Very few Christians fast. I know pastors that fast once a week. I know people that fast once a week. I know people that, that fast every year at the, at the beginning of the year. 
you know, but they run around and tell people, hey, I'm fasting. I'm doing this 40-day fast. I'm doing the Daniel fast. I'm doing this fast. You know what? Shut up. Shut up because you're getting your reward. Now, I'm thinking, oh, how holy are you? You know, and God's saying, you just got your reward. Joe is praising you. I'd rather have my praise from God. So be quiet when you're fasting, but fast. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. He said the same thing about prayer. Not if you pray. He said when you pray. When you pray. So believers fast for two basic reasons, uh, liberation and direction. How to fast to receive purpose, power, benefits, and fasting. I'm going to turn you to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. This whole chapter is about fasting. The first uh, four verses, God is telling Israel, you're fasting in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. Okay, And after the 12th verse, the 13th verse, he goes on and explains more about it. But in the verses from 6 to 12, God's telling you, this is the way I want you to go to verse 5 of Isaiah 58. After God rebukes Israel for the way they're fasting, he goes to verse 5. He said, is it a fast like this which I chose, a day for a man to humble himself? He's saying... The way you're doing it right now is not the way I chose it to be done. No. He says, he said, um, to make your voice heard on high, to choose for this day a man to humble himself. First of all, you've got to enter into fasting with humility. Humility. Then it goes on. It goes on. Verse 6. Listen. I'm going to repeat some of these things, and we're going to go through it, because this is important. It's important that the church fast, especially in days like today with all the, the, the baloney going on in the world out there. Verse 5, verse 6, it is. that's where we're going to start. Is this not the fast I choose? In other words, this is the fast I choose. Listen to it. Fasting. To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo bands of yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Do you see that? Look at If you fast, God's going to break through the bonds of wickedness in your life. Fasting will, will break those strongholds that I was talking about. Fasting will break the strongholds. You know, it, to undo the bands of a yoke. What is a yoke? Well, a yoke is when you have two oxen pulling together. Okay, if you a yoke is good. Jesus said, you know, I'm a yoke for you for you mankind. You know, but if you have one eight hundred pound oxen and you have a two hundred pound sheep pulling that yoke, you're going in one direction, you know, that ox is gonna take over and overpower it, and you're not going to be headed in the easy way. So he wants to undo that yoke. That, that is the wrong type of yoke. Okay? Let's go on. To let the oppressed go free. So if you're in oppression, fast. Fast. Don't tell everybody. Fast. Fasting could be anything. It could be, why, why should we fast first? It's for a deeper thrust. 
a deeper thrust. I tell everybody about the race cars, you know, the, these race cars that go down a track, they, they're going around the track 500 times or whatever, and when they get to the straight stretch, they, you know, they're doing about 200 on the curve, and they come out of this curve, they hit the nitro button, and down the straight stretch, they're going 300 miles an hour. That's what fasting does. It, it speeds up. It, it deepens your thrust. Jesus fasted. We know that. I told you, Matthew 4, we went through that chapter. Jesus expects us to fast right here in this chapter, and it's a powerful spiritual weapon. Fasting is a weapon in your arsenal. A lot of people don't believe that or don't do it. So we're losing a lot if we do not fast. The purpose for fasting, of course, is to gain deeper fellowship with God, is to take your eyes off the things of this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what fasting does, to take your eyes off yourself. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, they're not from the Father. They're from the world. You've got to get rid of those things, and that's covered in fasting. Turn, it turns your attention to Jesus Christ, too. Your flesh gets weak. Your spirit gets stronger. I tell everybody, you know, what you feed the most is going to dominate. But yet Christians today, they'll go to church on Sunday. They'll go into the world on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They won't pick up a Bible and read it. You've got to read you got to strengthen yourself. You feed, you feed your body three meals a day plus snacks and desserts. But we only get up in the morning and read a small devotional and go to church on Sunday. I'm sorry. You know what? Your flesh is going to be stronger than your spirit because you're feeding it more. You feed your, your uh, spirit the Word of God. The Word of God. It is, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless and the poor into the house? In other words, you're going you're gonna to be share with people. You know what? If you brought a lunch to work and you didn't tell your wife that, she, that you're fasting and she bring a lunch to work, you can share it with the poor guy when you walk down the street and sitting on a corner is hungry. He's saying it'll, it'll make you share, okay? Um, when you see the naked, you'll cover him. In other words, somebody needs a coat, you might go out and buy them one. You know, and to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will be speedily. You're going to get healed. Healing is in fasting. You're going to recover from whatever it, where, whatever it is, fast. And your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. What he's saying, if you fast, when the enemy attacks from the rear, God has your back. And you know as a Christian soldier that the armor does not cover the back. God does. God does. You're riding on his shoulders. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here am I. In other words, a quick answer. He's going to answer you if you fast. It's, it's telling the Lord, it's giving him a, a deeper thrust to the Lord. I need an answer like now, Lord. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. In other words, 
can I say? That would be called gossip, maybe? Yeah, gossip. Quit pointing your finger at people. When you call, the Lord will answer, and, and you will cry, and he will say, Here am I. If you remove the yoke from your midst. In other words, being yoked with something that's not of God. You have two oxen about the same weight. You don't have an oxen and, and, a, and a horse because the oxen is going to overpower. He said, "Got to be. You're going to undo that yoke. My yoke is easy," Jesus said, "and my burden is light," because He's pulling the cart, and He's going in one direction towards the Father, as you well know. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, in other words, you're generous. Then your light will rise in the darkness and the gloom will become like noonday and the Lord will continually guide you so you get guidance. He's going to satisfy your desire. I believe that could be answering your prayers even in scorched places and give strength to your bones. He's going to bring healing again to you. Healing. Twice so far we see that in it. You'll be like a watered garden. Jesus, uh, God said this to Israel. He said, I have two things against you. The first one was, you have rejected the well of living water. He's going to give you, um, he's going to give you the spring, his spring of living water. Jesus said in John 7, 37, 38, he says, he said that if any of you are thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And then from your belly will flow rivers of living water. Okay? And like a spring of water, those waters will not fail. Those among, from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. In other words, what the devil has stolen, God's going to rebuild it. Because you're fasting. You're calling. You're going to a deeper thrust in prayer. You will rise up the old foundations. In other words, you're going to go back to God. Go back to God. Israel wanted to change the boundary lines, the ancient landmarks. And God says twice in Isaiah 43 and 48, he says, do not move the ancient boundaries. God has established the boundaries. And, you know, those, those boundaries are like the Ten Commandments. They're established. God, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. His Ten Commandments still stand along with the 600 and other, 603 other commandments that are in the Scriptures. They still stand. You, you will raise up the age-old foundations. In other words, you're going, if you're backslidden, Christian, fast, pray, and you'll Rebuild those foundations. You'll regain the years that the locusts have stolen from you. Joel, Joel would put it that way. You will be called a repairer of the breach. In other words, instead of leading people down the wrong path, you're going to be leading them down the right path, teaching them how to correct themselves. The restorer of the streets in which you do dwell. In other words, you're everywhere you go, you're going to be re a restorer and not a an evil person. I know a fellow, he's been gone many years now, but he was so heavily into drugs that he led so many young men and women to the Lord. 
He didn't live past 30 years old. I think he was about 30. He was just snatched off the earth. I saw all the lives that he ruined by selling them drugs. You know, you're not going to be like that. You're going to be a restorer. People are going to follow after you because you're following after Christ. So fasting, there's power. You loosen the bonds of wickedness. There's purpose. You're free. You're the, the free, you know, oppressed or go free. There's a more purpose. You'll be able to share. There's some more purpose. You're being generous to the poor. You're being kind. We got purpose and benefits for because you're feeding the poor. You have self-control. You hide yourself from your own flesh. That's what it means. I think it's first, uh, I don't know which verse it is, but, you know, you hide yourself from your own flesh. That's self-control. I have a fellow right now that, that wants to go through fervent prayer because self-control. He has a stronghold. Some other benefits is you'll be seeing more clearly. You can see more clearly. To see and to cover your nakedness. You have self-control again. Is is written twice. You'll see clearly. Now you there's more purpose. There's healing. There's power. God will go before you. He's be your rear guard. There's more benefits. There's protection and deck direction, and you can hear God more clearly. So if you say you don't hear God speak too much, read your Bible and fast. And I believe you, God will speak to you, I can guarantee you, because he said so. There's power because there's deliverance. He's going to remove the, the yokes that, that, are, that are binding you. There's purpose because you have concern for the afflicted. There's more purpose given when God will be glorified. You're glorifying God when you're fasting. Your light will shine before men, and therefore you're glorifying God. You will be answered, the Scriptures tell us, and you would have healing. And there's so much in this. There's like 22 or 23 things that God will do for you if you fast, yet the church, a lot of them refuses to fast. And it's okay. Fasting doesn't mean you have to go for three days without food. Fasting means you can go a day. Fasting can mean you love your coffee in the morning, but you're not going to have it because you want God to answer this prayer. It's as simple as that. It's what's in your heart that God's going to want you to do. There's more benefits you're going to rebuild. If you fast, it's going to help you rebuild what was stolen from you. It's going to help you get renewed. It's going to raise up and reinforce your foundation. I tell everybody, every all Christians that really believe in Jesus, they have a strong foundation. And you can build an outhouse or a skyscraper. It's up to you. And that comes by reading, praying, fasting, doing. Falling in love with Jesus is probably the main one. Fasting is so important, yet few, few of us fast. Why is that? And when they do, they void it out because they let everybody in, in the church know it. Don't say anything. Jesus is saying in this passage I read, be quiet about it and let your reward let him reward you and don't be rewarded by men. Kingdom life honors God in, in private by prayer and fasting. 
So if you're part of the kingdom of God, you honor him with prayer and fasting. And he and you he'll honor you in public. He will. That's a promise. Verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust dust destroy and where thieves break in to steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you have proper perspective? Do I have proper perspective? Do I put God first? Am I putting my treasures in heaven or would you rather be rewarded by men here on earth? Our treasures then really, according to this passage, should be directed towards heaven. Not earthly, not not directed towards earth to be receive glory from from mankind. Because you know why? Your future is not on earth. Your future is in heaven. Have we really here? The church, have you really prepared for eternity? Have you? Did you lose perspective, church? Listen, you planned for your schooling after after high school. You planned your college, your technical school, your joining of the army. You planned it. You planned your career. You planned your marriage. You planned maybe the children that you were going to have. You planned for your earthly retirement. Some people even have, have their gravesite picked out. But did you prepare for eternity? Church, did you prepare for eternity? Or are we prepared for just what's down here? We can get lost in the smoke of this world. Very easily. We, Christians and non-Christians, need to prepare for eternity. Where are you going to spend it? You have, you, you even plan for your, your investments on Wall Street. Your W-2s or your K, K, K something, what's it called? 401ks, yeah. <laughs> you plan for that, but you didn't plan for heaven. You didn't prepare where you're going to spend your eternity, in heaven or in hell. The Bible tells you where you spend, how to, to make sure you're going in the right direction. And that is through Jesus Christ and him alone, woven from Genesis all the way through to the end of Revelation, the scarlet thread of Christ's blood. Did you plan for your internal investment? If you didn't, you can start today. You can start today. Ask Jesus into your heart with your whole heart. That's one of the prayers that God will always answer. Your prayer of repentance. Prayer of repentance. You could pray for a lot of things and God, if you're not a believer, you could pray for a lot of things and God may or may not answer. If he answers, it's out of mercy and grace. But the prayer that you pray to receive Christ as your Savior and your Lord, and if you do it with all your heart, he will always answer that prayer with salvation for you. So why not start today? We should care more about heaven than we should about earth, but yet we get all wrapped up in money. 
Howard Hughes was asked, how much more money do you need, Howard? He was the richest man in the world then, back in the 50s, I think it was. How much more money do you need? And they said, he said, just a little bit more. There's millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires today saying the same exact thing, and yet after they draw their last breath, they know nothing they haven't prepared for the kingdom of heaven. To be heavenly minded, you must send treasures to heaven. To be heavenly hearted, I should say, would be better. To be heavenly hearted would be to send your, your treasures ahead of you to the kingdom of heaven. Verse 22 and 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good or single, one version says, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is corrupted, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You need to focus on your spiritual health. We care about our physical health, and we should, because we were created by God. But you got to prepare for your spirit, spiritual health. If your single, if your single focus is God, you will experience spiritual light. If your eye is corrupted or divided between the world. And God, you'll be darkened. Revelation 3.16 says, So, because you are lukewarm, I will what? Vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy on earth, you have need of nothing. Then you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That is what you are if you're have, if you're earthly minded. Jesus is telling you right here, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. You think you see, but you don't. You just see in the natural. You don't see the spiritual. There was a survey taken by James Patterson and Peter Kim, and it's in their their title was, The Day America Told the Truth. And the question we asked to them was this. What would you do for $10 million? 7% of the people surveyed said they would kill a stranger. 23% they would become a prostitute for a week. 25% said that they would abandon their family. And the other 25, another 25% said they would abandon their church and their faith because of money. You know what? Did you ever want to notice a dollar bill? It doesn't say silver certificate anymore. It was backed up by silver then. I mean, you know what your money is backed up with today? Nothing. If you had I don't know, say you had $10 million in the bank, after everything was paid out, you might get 100 bucks. That's what, it's backed up with nothing. That's why the devil, when he comes, the Antichrist, he's going to control the economic and the monetary system. Your money's worthless, really. If the United States goes down, your money goes down. 
banks would be closing their doors left and right. It's not backed up with anything. That's why they have so many ads on TV, buy gold, buy silver. Because the, the, the money is way beyond the, the possession of these products of silver and gold. No one can serve two masters, Jesus said. Neither, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means materialism or money or gold. Mammon is personified here. It, says, it, it, it makes you a slave. It's a slave master. Money's a slave master. It cheats you out of your eternity because you're chasing after money. Money is great, but if you're, it's a cruel master. It's nice to have money. I like to, if I want an ice cream cone, I like to go out and get an ice cream cone. But it's a cruel master. It'll keep you and send you to hell. It's not money. It's the love of the money, as you well know, as Timothy puts it. Many have been abandoned their faith in pursuit of money. I saw this 40 years ago in different churches. I've seen deacons turn away because you know they got w pretty well to do they bought boats and they bought cabins and before you know it they're not in church anymore they're they're at their cabin on the river they quit playing the organ or whatever it was they moved out of their deaconship because because they of money many abandon their faith in pursuit of money and it's a sad thing Jesus is saying to us or telling us kingdom like it, life is focused on God and God alone. And we need to do know that in America, especially today. America is, is um, headed in the wrong direction, as you well know. Matthew 25, or 6, verse 25 through 34, to the end of the chapter. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you are to eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet you say, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you seek all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus in this passage just used worry six times. Six times. You know what worry really means? It could be better translated strangle. It's going to strangle you to death. God commands you not to worry. Worry and anxiety are, are, 
our fruits. Um, worry and anxiety are not fruits of God. You know what? I read something. It said, no, I used to tell my mother this. My mother was a big worrier all the time. She's a beautiful lady and 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 loved the Lord and and uh, but she was always worrying. I always tell mom, mom, ninety nine percent of the things you worry about never come to be, and it's true. It's like ninety nine point something, I believe. I read an article somewhere. I don't remember where. It said fog. Fog that covers seven city blocks is made up of 60 trillion droplets. Yet if you, if you boiled it, it would equal to one half glass of water. But yet it would shut down airports and cities. That's worry. It'll shut you down. And it, it doesn't amount to anything. A half a glass of water, you could drink it in one gulp. Worry. Get rid of worry, the Lord's telling us. Even in, in Psalms, I believe as David wrote, some people trust in her- chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord thy God. Do not worry about your life, Jesus said, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body. It is is not life more than food and your body more than clothing. Bottom line is, if your priority is spirit, being spiritual, God will take care of the material. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He will add all these things to you. He didn't say He'll give you a, a condo on the French Riviera. He didn't say you put $10 million in your bank account. He said when, when your priority is spiritual, God will take care of you. We know from Scripture that it's backed up by Scripture, what, what he just said here. We know Psalm 103 says that God will forgive your sins, He'll heal all your diseases, and He'll deliver your life from the pit. He's using the argument that the lilies of the field, with her, which are lesser, are so much less value than, than, than you, a human being. But yet, God's going to take care of them. Why? Why can't we trust Him at that? I was watching yesterday. There's been some ducks hanging around our house. They've been there for months. The lady across the street, she, it was a dead-end street. The lady across the street feeds them the bird seed all the time, right? So we get squirrels and pigeons and doves and all kind of blue jays. Well, the ducks found it, and they start coming over. Well, this, uh, yesterday I looked out the window, and there's seven little ducks following Mama Duck. And they come up right to the garage, my garage door, which was shaded. They were in the sun. They walked a complete driveway. It's about, I don't know, 60, 80 feet, Okay. They walk up to the garage door, had about this much shade, you know, all the way the length of the door. They just they were looking for shade. They come walking up the driveway. So mother's mother's there, and 
I don't know what she was doing, but I guess they were hot. She put out her wings and shaded the chicks. And that's what God is saying here. And that's what Jesus told Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, when he wept over it. And he said, oh, how I wanted to take you under my wings like, like a hen gathers her chicks, but yet you would not. And he wept. We need, that's what God's saying to us today. Get under his wings. He said he'll take care of you. He will take care of you. If God's faithful to see, feed the birds, he'll feed you. And then he says, which by worrying can, can or strangle, you can use the word strangle, which by worrying can add one cubit to his height. Listen, you know a cubit's about 18 inches. It's distance from your fingers to your elbow. Okay? That means that would put me about seven feet tall. I'd like that. No, I would, no, it's too tall. I think 6'3 might be good. 6'2, 6'3. You know, you can't do anything. You don't have the power to do that. He can do it. He says, and even Paul tells us in Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. The Lord tells us that. I just gave you the symbol, the, 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 the thing about the 60 trillion droplets shuts down airports and cities. It, it covers seven uh, city blocks, but yet, but yet you could drink it in one gulp if it was boiled down. That's what worry is. Get rid of it. God takes care of us. Then he goes on with another argument about Solomon. If God can clothe the lesser like flowers and grass, he can certainly close us because we're of much more value than they. Do not worry, verse 31, what you shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. The Gentiles seek these things. In other words, in today's terms, I would better translate the unbelievers seek these things. So don't be an unbeliever. Believe. If God said it, he'll do it. That's all there is to it. So the Gentiles refer to those who don't enjoy a relationship with God, but you, hopefully, on the over the air and in here, have a relationship with God. And you have reason to worry if you don't have a relationship with God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Something the church needs to hear today. We need to quit hearing these silly, shallow, ear-tickling messages and hear what Jonathan Edwards told Boston, you know, about, about sinners in the hand of an angry God, a spider hanging from one thread of web over a fire. That's what's happening even in the churches today. Some people that are in churches aren't even saved. They go to church for prestige or whatever. But some of them never made a real true commitment to the Lord with all of their heart. They just prayed a quick, fast prayer, and they thought, okay, I'm saved. I can go do anything I want. No, there better be a change in your life. 
You better know. I tell you what, I know for a fact, and I know a lot of you here, and I know if I put you back in the background in which you were raised, your friends wouldn't even recognize you. Not by what you do, or not, you know, they'll recognize you by face maybe, but that's about it. Because you won't be the same person. You should be different, and that's why Jesus said you must be born again. You're different. You're no longer part of this earth. Your, your kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. You've been born again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, verse 33. Again, I talk about the Greek verb. It says, keep on seeking. Seek first. Keep on seeking the kingdom of God. Not just one time in church on Sunday and then walk away for or, or come for another week or a year or ten years. He says, keep on seeking continually. Pray. And then verse 34, which is really one of the highest forms of spiritual warfare. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of, uh, uh, will, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Deal with today. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We know that in the world we will have tribulation. Jesus told us that. You're going to have all kind of tribulations, but she said, be of good cheer because I have overtaken the world. Kingdom life, then, is consumed by, is not consumed by worry. It trusts in God's provision. Here's what Isaiah said, and we'll end with this. Remember not the former things, neither consider things of old. I will do a new thing now it will spring forth. You will know it and will even make a way, and I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. So God will make a way, whatever you're doing. You can pray and you can fast. And pray and fast with the right motives. Don't pray repetitiously. Pray with a whole heart. Don't fast to be noticed by men or pray to be noticed by men. And God will hear from heaven. And he promises, Jesus said it at least twice in this chapter, he will provide for you. He will see and see who is in secret will reward you openly. So let's pray. Let's pray. And I'll Father, today we thank you, Lord, for the words of our Lord Jesus as we get into the these three or four chapters of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Lord, there's so much depth in it, some depth that we cannot even uh, comprehend. But, Lord, we thank you for the words of Christ. What, what would we do if Christ didn't come and teach us, Lord? He's the greatest teacher that ever walked on the face of the earth. And, Lord, even today, the Holy Spirit is teaching us as we read the Word of God. So, Father, today I pray that anybody out here or anybody over the air that does not ever receive Christ, or if they even doubt, doubt it, to re, you know, pray it over again. Ask God for forgiveness. Receive Christ as your Savior and do it with your whole heart. Do it with their whole heart, Lord. They can do it at their bedside. They can do it right now, wherever they're sitting or kneeling. Or Father, we just put it all in your hands. Lord, speak to their hearts and bring them into the kingdom that don't know you. 
And for us that are worrying, Lord, let us not worry anymore. Let us be anxious for nothing. And for those of us that don't pray enough, help us to pray more. For those of us who don't fast or fast enough, help us to fast. And Lord, let these answers come to us, that your promise, your, your purpose, your power, and your benefits of fasting be known in our lives. And then we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. And if uh, the altar is open, I know there's about at least two people that wanted to come up front and to have prayer. So uh, come on up. <laughs> Eddie and